Regardless of how we find ourselves in the world of divorce, the one thing we have complete control over is how we behave from here on out. We have two choices. One is to remain stuck in the stories, the anger and pain. And the other is to take a breath, adjust our sail to the wind, and work harder than ever before to create a new story for our children, for ourselves, and for the world around us. It's your choice, your work, but I'll be in your corner. Welcome to In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. My name is Carly Israel, and I am your host. Hi, guys, and welcome. I am so glad to be here today. We had a couple of technical difficulties. Just a few. <laughs> Carly, we made it over. We made it. Let's take a collective deep breath. I know. We're going to be okay. If this is our biggest problem today, we're good to go. Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk to you. I feel like like this is our day. Like we've talked I know. Morning, so. I just took hours. I was like, I'm with Camille today. Peace out, everybody. Awesome. So for those of you who don't know me, hi, everybody. My name is Camille Davis, accidental divorce coach, now feminine ascension coach. And I am here with the fabulous Carly from In Your Corner Relationship Coaching. She's here with us today, and we're going to just talk about all things divorce. Yes. So a couple of things that she wants to share with us. And I can't tell you, Carly, we met back in 2016. Yes. Right? I started a page called Divorce Not Defeated, and um, we connected there. And through the years, we have been staying in contact and connecting on and off. And you're just doing such amazing things right now. So go ahead. And and so are you. Empowered women, empower women. Yes, and Camille, I connected with you a couple months ago saying I want to connect with you. And what I love about you is you were like, come on in, the water's warm. Like, we are about to help each other. And for your audience, Camille is, so I start with people when they're a mess and I help them through their dark hallways. And then you take them and you help them ascend. So we're a good team. I know we have this synergy going on and, and you know, and it's all about community and collaboration, right? Yes. I am so much a, uh, an advocate for women helping women rise. And that's exactly what Carly and I are doing here together today yes. to you all just to share like her awesomeness. And Carly, what I really would like for you to explain, you have this uh, North Star divorce is like term that you use. Yes. So, Explain that for us. Okay. I would love to. Thank you so much. So the North Star is what sailors use in the dark when they're lost and they can't find their way. I am not a sailor. I'm terrified of large bodies of water. I would not want to be in the dark on a boat. But if I was and I could use the North Star, I would use that. The reason why it's my concept is when I knew I was going through my divorce, the universe sent me this guy named Scott Simon and we were just Facebook friends. And you know, you could be Facebook friends with people, but you like never would talk to them in line at Starbucks because you're like, I don't even know them. Yeah. Right? So the universe was like, reach out to him. He has a story. And he was known around town as someone who was happily divorced. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know how to do that because in our society, everyone's like, oh, it's miserable. I'm so, when you tell someone you're getting a divorce, their first answer is, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Like, like a cat's dying. And what I say to people is congratulations because- no good marriage ends in divorce. 
Right. And so Scott sat down and I sat down on his couch. We talked and told each other our stories. And he said that my children were going to be my North Star. Mm-hmm. And that like the sailors in the dark that don't know how to find a home, I was going to look to my children as the guiding principle of what's going to be best for my children. And so when I work with clients and I do my podcast, everything is about the North Star, which is making decisions based on what is best for the children. And what is best for the children is a mother or a father who is not filled with anger and emotions and blockage and is happy living exciting lives like you do with your clients and is working through. But the only way out is through. You can't just become that. You have to do the work. Right, right. So, yeah, so... I mean, I, I totally get that. And that makes so much sense, right? Like we, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the divorce, like the actual thing. The that, legal, the separation, all of it. Yeah. That we miss those important pieces. So let's back up for a moment. Okay. Into all of your goodness that you guys. Yes. And let's talk about you specifically and, and your divorce and how it came about and and what happened. The tables are turned. I just got a chance to interview you. And my podcast is In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. And the reason why it's called In Your Corner is because I can't do your work, but like a boxing coach, I'm going to be in your corner. But I just got to interview Camille, so you'll get to hear that. So now it's your turn. So um, on paper, everything was awesome. Beautiful couple, beautiful home, three boys, no one knew anything that was going on because you don't like to tell people your stuff. And we, he checked all the boxes on paper and we had this beautiful life and it was really busy. I had three little boys, very, very close in age. I was doing everything, like every wake up, every feeding, everything. And he was working like a million hours. Um, and I wanted to connect. Like I wanted a partnership, a soul love, intense i wanted to be thrown against the wall i wanted like not in a painful way like in a sexual way i wanted um i wanted my best friend and a soulmate and he was like but that's not who i am Mm -hmm. and so we would keep having these conversations and i kept being hungry for an emotional connection for a physical connection for an intimate connection and one of our children has pretty intense medical condition and i became the sole caregiver and that was not the reason why we ended up having a divorce but what I know is that when pressure is put on a house of a beams holding, if the beams are not strong, because life has things, right? You're going to have death and sickness and jobs and money and all of it. So that's not the reason. The reason was our foundation was not strong mm-hmm. and the two of us were not both willing to work on it. We talked about that the other, earlier that like a marriage is the only living thing that needs two people to keep it alive. You can raise a child alone. You can tend a garden alone. You can have a house alone. You can take care of an animal alone, but you cannot have a marriage alone. That's so important for our viewers to understand, right? Because it takes two. This, This is the one thing, like you said, that you cannot do on your own. And so tell us some of the markers, some of the, I don't know, maybe, um, indicators that let you know that you were coming to sure so six years on and off of marriage counseling not to knock marriage counseling but it was very unpleasant um three different marriage counselors 
I'm a very good communicator and I would be like, this is what I need. This is what I would like. Can we do this? And he was just like very passive and kind, but didn't want to do anything. And was basically like, he felt like he was fine and the problem was mine. And what I'd like everyone to understand, all partners, is if one person in a relationship is not okay, then the relationship is not okay. You can't just say that's your issue. And so I thought it was my issue. So I did a ton of work on myself, thank God. Mm-hmm. And I, lo- I got to a place where I loved myself and I was strong and I, I did, I'm 21 years sober not, then now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, there was literally nothing else I could do. Right. And acceptance, acceptance, acceptance of, you know, this is, you have to love as is. And I got to a place where I was just, I wrote about it a lot. Um, there were no physical markings of the abuse. There was no black eyes. There was no infidelity, but what there was, was neglect. Mm -hmm. And I felt alone. I felt lonely. I want, I was starving for a connection and I wanted it to be with my husband because who wants a divorce? Right. Yeah. Right. And he was just, he just didn't get it. Like I I remember the first time I told him, and I don't use the word lightly. I don't throw it around. I said, I'm considering leaving after all this work. And after 20 minutes, he's like, can I go watch the Cavs game? And I was like, um, okay. Like if you said that to me, we'd be up all night long with like graphs and spreadsheets and Bibles and. Right. Yeah, exactly. But you, you know, when someone has like checked out. Yeah. And he was checked out and it was really sad. We had built our dream home. We lived on my parents' land and we had this beautiful family and it was, I made the decision to stay. Mm-hmm. I made the decision to stay. I went back and forth in so much misery and I begged people to tell me what to do. I Googled it. Should I stay for my kids? Yeah. And people have a lot of opinions, as you know, and they're like, yes, you should. You should never leave. This is horrible. And I made the decision to stay and I took a selfie of myself on my steps to see like what I feel better now. Like I made the decision. Yeah. It was the most sad, pathetic face I've ever seen. It was my own. And I was like, my kids deserve a happy mom. And you know what finally broke everything? What's that? Sweet tarts. <laughs> 88 cent sweet tarts. You just never know what it's going to be, right? Like when it's such a mess, you just never know what's going to be the final drop of water to push it over. I was in like a drugstore. I was getting something. Sweet tarts were on sale. Okay. My previous husband loved sweet tarts and I would always pick up things for him that he loved. And he never did that for me. And when I picked up those sweet tarts, I thought, you're going to be in a marriage for the rest of your life with someone who would never consider picking up your favorite thing. Wow. Unless it was like my birthday. And I was like, I don't want, I want more. Right. And I just, once I made that decision, I, you know, I was terrified, but I didn't regret that I didn't do enough work because I did so much work. Yeah. So tell us about that. What, what, yeah. you know, a lot of people think I've, I've made the decision, right. And, and I'm going to feel better. It's going to be better, but tell us about having to do the work. So the work post, post the decision. Yes. Okay. So the work post the decision, a couple of things I would love to share with everyone. Please do. What I wish I would have had 
when I was going through the legal process of divorce is someone like you or me to say, slow your roll. Mm -hmm. Do not make fast decisions about what you put in that share document. Do not, that document, if you don't, if you've never gone through it, is like concrete. Mm -hmm. And it is almost impossible to change it. And I was in so much emotional pain and we were living in the same house for seven months while we were trying to sell our dream house, like cleaning up for like showings right. that I just wanted it to be over. Mm-hmm. And I wish someone would have said, don't rush. You need to make slow decisions. And I wish I would have known about the really important things that need to be in a shared parenting plan. If you have children and you don't want to mess them up because you're a divorce. Okay. So one thing would be slow down. Mm-hmm. The other thing is you need to have people, like a team of people to go to. And I strongly suggest they're not your family members because they also are going through the divorce. Right. Yeah. Like my mom was really affected by my divorce. She had this dream, understood, understandably so. And I needed someone that wasn't emotionally affected. Right. right. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? To the situation. Yeah. Yes. Totally makes sense. And it's important to have those people because, you know, they're invested in it. They're invested in you. They're invested in the union. So, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. So one of the things, so I'm a writer. And one of the things I started doing was I, you know, I was a Facebook poster that just posted smiley pictures. And when I went through the divorce, I started posting the truth. And one of my jobs, I think, in the universe is to give other people permission to be human. And I consider myself to be a beautiful mess and I just show them the mess. Yes. I was like, here's the shit show that is my life. Right. And like, yeah. and we honored it. Like, because when I show you my mess, then you feel safe showing me your mess. Right. You, but you also realize that you're not alone. Right? Yes. A lot of the women who come to me and probably you as well come saying, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to have found you. And it helps me to realize that I'm not alone. I'm not the only one who is experiencing this or going through this journey. And you want someone to guide you. Like you want someone to say, no, 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 that's not something you should just give up on. That's a big deal. Or no, let that one go. Mm -hmm. What were you about to say? No, I was just going to segue into now tell us a little bit about how you ended up coaching because like going through, right? Yes the divorce this is your story you are working on yourself you're coming out of it you have started a page yeah or writing an article yeah so what was the what was the transition so great questions um i'm one of those people that did not know what they wanted to do when they grew up for decades and decades if i could have asked god one question it would have been please tell me what to do because I, um, you know, you mentioned earlier today when we were talking that you have a job you love and I wanted that so badly. I went to school. I have my master's in education. I was a teacher for a little bit. I was, a, I've been a mom, you know, I have my parents have a business. I work for them, but it was never what I wanted. And I've always done like help and outreach. I'm sober in AA 21 years. So I sponsor women for 20 plus years. I guide them through the book. I'm, I'm, I've always been a coach and a mentor. Yes. And um, I, ma- I created a podcast a couple of years ago that's sobriety related. Got a lot of people that are listening to it, I like did it in my car while my kids were karate. Oh, and uh, it's called North Star Big Book. It's all about the North Star, right? So it's all about finding your focus. 
And I started writing articles for HuffPost before it became the HuffPost it is now. And women and men connected with what I was saying. Um, I made a, one of the challenges I do, because you do awesome things to push people, your clients to become awesome, which I do at the end, is I made um, a dedication that one day, every single day for one year, I was going to post a thank you on social media to thank somebody in my life who made it brighter. And it didn't always have to be something better. It could be like, like someone that made fun of my kid and like how they made me remember like, that's so not cool. And so people were really drawn to it. And I ended up doing another year and it was about lessons I learned. And a woman reached out to me who had a small, awesome publication. And she's like, you need to turn this into a book. Long story short, my memoir is coming out September 7th. Oh, thank you. Seconds and inches. It's been my dream for decades. Um, It's a story told in three parts from with the thank you letters intertwined. And the first part is my history, like where I come from, because I believe that where we come from matters mm-hmm. and all the things that we carry from our pet, from our family and our ancestors yeah. helps shape us into where we are. And then I kind of highlighted my massive mess and my divorce is a big part of it. And nice. then my Renaissance, which is what you talk about is ascension. I, I remember calling a, part, a friend of mine and I was crying in San Francisco on my last vacation with my then husband where we had planned before the divorce ended up happening and I was miserable. Like it was like pulling teeth every moment. And we had already like were back and forth and I was calling my friend crying and I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. And he said, you're in a renaissance. And I was like, what? Like this doesn't feel like a in order for something to be beautiful and built you have to tear it down right and with right right, you can't just okay this is a mess and let's get better you have to tear like I always think about 9-11 the twin towers Mm -hmm. like they had to do so much work to clean up that mess before they could ever start over and build right and so I that's what I do with my clients I make them clean up their mess Awesome. So yeah, so tell us then, I mean, and it's such a good point, such a great analogy of how you have to tear down in order to build that strong foundation that you need to, you know, have your renaissance or to move forward and ascend. And so what are some of the steps that you go through with your clients to help them get on that path to get, you know, focused and clear on the path before them? Sure. So before I answer that, I'm going to finish what I was thinking that you asked me was the way I became a divorce coach was because like you, everyone kept saying, well, how do you do this? And because they saw me doing it differently and it just kind of happened and it finally clicked. And I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And wow. so it kind of all got together. So how, what do I do to help my clients get through that is I do. Um, the main thing I do is a five session program, which is intense. And I, there's not, I, there's people I will not work with and they are people who like to complain a lot and don't want to do work. There are people who like to stay stuck in their stories and want to blame everybody because I can't help you if you're not ready to get, to get better. Right. Right. It's your work, not my work. Yeah. I already do my, I'm still doing my work, but it's, you know what I mean? So the first couple of sessions, we really hammer out the anger and the fear. Okay. And we, we pull it out. I, I picture a hallway that has been jam-packed. If you're married and you lived in a house with somebody 
you've got memories and boxes and bags and memorabilia and wedding albums and what do I do with this DVD and right? so we pull it out and we look at it together like you like you would with a friend and we say what do you need and what don't you need anymore what's serving you is any of this is this still serving you right and then we get rid of the things that are no longer serving us we find a place of forgiveness which looks different for every single person Mm-hmm. And then we start dreaming. And in, in, in between each session is tons of work. Okay. Because I believe like you in writing. Yep. And I, you know, one of the most important letters I ever wrote was um, to myself. HuffPost asked me to do it and I make my clients do it. Mm-hmm. I had to write to myself on the eve of my wedding mm-hmm. with the person I was no longer with. Mm-hmm. Because um, one thing I want to address is I don't like when people use the word failure about their marriage. Yeah if there's children involved, because even if there's not, but if there's children involved for sure, because your two sons and my three sons are not failures. Absolutely not. And everything that came from that marriage that I didn't like were things I learned. And the things that came from that marriage that are the most important are my kids. The kids, yeah. So that letter is really important for all of us to write, mm-hmm. get to a place where you have to honor. Because when I wrote that letter, I said at the end of it, walk down that aisle, girl. because if I, if I would have known then what I know today at 26, mm-hmm. I would have freaked out and ran away and I would have missed so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally get that. And I think that's a great exercise for people to do. I mean, there's lots of ways to go back and to pull in and encourage and shore yourself up. And especially speaking to your former self is yes. I, I really love that idea of writing that letter. I do too. And you know what you can also do when you're in the middle of the mess of a divorce and you like can't breathe and you're like, I can't see, mm-hmm. is you can write a letter to your current self from your future self 10 years down the road huh. about what she's going to experience and how the person here today that's a mess needs to keep going because it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Absolutely. I believe that, and I know you believe that, and I mean, and it's true, it will get better. Sometimes we can't see, you know, the path ahead of us because we're so stuck in the mess at the moment. Yes. That's, that's just one great way to kind of see how to, you know, encourage yourself and get yourself there. I always say that God is like a semi, and huh. that when you're driving on like a one-lane road and there's a semi in front of you, you can't see why it's so slow. What What's the holdup, right? And what? we're mad and we're like freaking out because, of course, we left late. And when we finally get to whatever is slow, we see a horrible accident and a body bag. And we're like, I couldn't see what you could see. Right. And so for me, it's about being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And walking through, the only way out is through. If you work with me, that's all you'll hear over and over. The only way out is through. There are no shortcuts. A, a new relationship, right, is not a shortcut. Right. Um, there is no shortcut. Quick second. Yeah. I, so many women, so many people, it doesn't matter, man, woman, whatever have you, they want to quickly get into something new, right? But they just left this, this past relationship or marriage there's a lot of healing and things that need to happen in between, right? So, like I do in all of my experiences, I like to speak for my mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I will never co- consider my current husband a mistake because I love him massively. He's like my best friend on earth. Mm-hmm. But 
we made the decision to get married and to be together very quickly after we both left. So we both, both of our marriages were crumbling. We became best friends. We'd never even hugged. We lived in different states. We never even hugged until after we made the decision to be together. But looking at it now, I think that we would have both benefited from having that alone time. I think the only reason why I'm able to be okay mm-hmm. is because I did so much work before that, that I love myself. So when we get in a fight, which we do, because who doesn't, I'm okay. Like, I'm also okay no matter what. Like, I'm okay no matter how this thing goes, mm-hmm. because I've already done this. And I know what matters. Right, right. But you're so right. It's so hard to know, like, what's right when you are just in the middle of a mess. Mm-hmm. It is. It's so difficult because there's, there's all these things going on, right? And we're being pulled in 50 million different directions. We can't tell our head from our toe. And we're just trying to kind of like, like you said, you're just trying to get through it and you want it to end. And so, you know, you're like, okay, well, whatever it takes to get through it. And right. we rush the process. And I think that's one of the mistakes that we make sometimes in trying to get past one relationship is rushing the process of going into something new. Yes. Uh, We have a lot of work to do on ourselves. And so since you've gone through that, is there a process that you take your clients through? Yes. Going through that? Tell us a little bit about that. Um, Well, that's so interesting. So I actually wanted to talk about it and I was like, I don't know if I should talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. So this is so empowering and especially for everybody, but especially for women because predominantly women are in a situation because of our society where we're not making as much money as our last spouse or whatever, or the divorce was just so freaking expensive and it decimated our finances. Right? So what I did and what I'm currently doing, and I had someone on my podcast, a mediator lawyer talking about this, is I am making a contract, a post-nuptial with mm-hmm. my current husband. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a pre, it's considered a prenup, but it's just post-nup because we were already married, where we lay out what the finances need to look like and how they need to be separate because we didn't do that initially, okay. but we're doing that today because life happens and right. we are dealing with two humans that are two humans. And so I, we hit a bump in the road and I reached out to the mediator and my husband and I are on the same page because we both wanted to work. Yeah. I would highly recommend our listeners, especially women, if you're going to get in another relationship and it's going to be one that's going to be long-term that you set up a document to save yourself if it doesn't work out because it's not sexy. Right, right. It's not romantic. When you're picking out exciting, you know, dresses and locations and all of it, no one wants to talk about that. But what we learned is this is a business. Like a relationship is a partnership and a business. Could you imagine if me and you went into business and we didn't talk about how we're going to deal with things? Right. Right. Then lay down the foundation, had no contract, no parameters, no So we're going to do that. So that's something uncomfortable that I like people to understand, especially if you've been through a divorce is seek out help. It's not even expensive to get a mediator. And if your partner really cares, they will do it with you. It's a smart decision for adults to make, especially if there's other children involved and blended families. So that's something, you know, and the other thing is that I would say about people that want a a relationship that me and you are going to talk about later I always make the person I'm working with 
get to a place where they have to like themselves, love themselves. Okay. It's not humanly possible to find a life partner that is going to be successful if you don't love yourself. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, like how can you teach someone how to love you properly if you don't love yourself? Not possible. Not possible. And so that's one of the things that we have to, you know, we have to work on. We have to work on loving ourselves, loving the woman that we are and that we're becoming, right? Finding out what you want. So like one of the exercises I do with clients who are seeking help finding a partner is what they don't realize, and I'm going to tell everybody, is I'm helping them find a partner, but I'm really just helping them find themselves. Because until they get to a place where the partner that they love is themselves, they're not going to attract the right person. So we look at the things that they loved in other relationships, Uh the things that they hated in other relationships. Then I tell them to circle the things that are non-negotiable, like you talked about. Like, I am unwilling to ever be with a person again who does this or who doesn't do this. Mm Mm-hmm talking about sex too because we never talk about sex right right it's taboo right we never got to talk about it yeah and then we decide if this is your ideal and this is the partner you want you have to put it out to the universe which means when you're dating and you see someone who doesn't have one of these character traits that are Mm non-negotiables you have to walk away because otherwise you're telling the universe i'm afraid i don't trust you and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just stay here and hope you'll send someone else my way. Hmm. Yeah, this, this goes into the, the not trusting of self also. Yes. Because a lot of times we get in this situation where we're kind of like, well, before I made the decision to do this, and now we're not trusting ourselves or our decisions, and we're not trusting our abilities to do what is going to be right, a right fit for us in our life. And our worth. Yeah, We are not trusting our worth. We are not trusting. I remember talking to one of my friends and she's Mm post-divorce and she's like, well, I'm okay if he lives with his mom. I'm like, wait, wait, beep, 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 beep. (laughs) He's 50. He lives in his mother's basement. You're okay with that? And she's like, not really, but he's a really great guy and I'm hoping he'll get to it. I'm like, stop. You have to love people as they are. Yeah. And if you're hoping he's going to become something, you're in delusion. Yeah. Right? Right? Because we're hoping that someone's going to change, but we already see what's before us. And we think that some way, somehow, by some synergistic osmosis, they're going to become and do what we want or desire, right? Yeah. I joke. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of out there. I joke and I say that God is not a pimp. And that God's not going to hook you up and send someone to your door. That you have to do the footwork and you have to act like somebody who believes that they're worthy, who believes that there's a human out there for them that their deepest heart's desire is to connect with mm-hmm. and will settle for nothing less. Because you, you will get whatever you settle for. Right, right. And we attract also what we're sending out, right? Yes. So a lot of women, you know, we hear the phrase all the time, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, you know, why do I keep ending up in the same types of relationships? So why do I keep attracting the same, the same type of person? Do you remember what we said? Why we said it? Yeah, because, I mean, it's just, you know, we, we put out what we receive. What we put out, we right. receive. And, and if you have it and you don't like it, you're choosing to stay. Yeah. It's a choice. It's a decision that you're right. making. 
Right. So you can't walk around going, I only get guys or girls that are so, you know, mean or don't take care of themselves. And you're like, well, then leave. Like, why are you staying? Yeah. That's a choice. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that um, for a lot of people, just the idea of being alone is so scary yes. that um, we're willing to sacrifice. We'll take a dime today instead of a dollar tomorrow. We're afraid, but what it all comes down to, Camille, is we're not trusting that the universe has our back. And that something I believe deeply is that our, like for me, my God, which is not religious, it's just a spiritual thing, wants for me what my deepest heart's desire is. And besides my children, my deepest heart's desire is to have a soul life partner that is my best friend. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to be perfect because there's no such thing, but they're my perfect. And if I see someone and I'm with someone that doesn't meet those really important things I said, Mm -hmm. and I choose to stay because I'm afraid, what I'm, what I'm really saying is I don't trust God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because I'm staying with someone that I know isn't right for me. Yeah. Hoping that he'll change when he won't. Mm-hmm. They say the only man you can change is in a diaper, right? So, <laughs> so change people, right? No, you can't change anyone. They have that's their work, and you know, and it's so important that um, you know you mentioned there a little bit about the sacrifice, right? We're sacrificing ourselves, and um, I don't know about you, but like I'm not willing to do it anymore. No, Just wasn't willing to to go there and make that sacrifice, to sacrifice self. We did already. We did already. And that already, right? I don't want to do that anymore. And what message does it send to my children? So my children, when I'm not with them, here's the deal. It's always sad for me when they leave. I'm the kind of person that would like to like snuggle their faces. Like I have three boys. They don't want to snuggle my face, but like I want, I want them all the time. Mm-hmm. But when I'm not with them, I've created a life that I'm excited about where I get to do things and then they get to see a mom who's got medals and who's doing this and who's doing that and who's collecting this for people then running them over here because they need an example of someone who's not only living for one thing. Right. Absolutely. Right. And because children already see what's happening, they see us and we are their example. Yes. want to give them the best possible example of what's possible for them, right? Can I speak to the two things that are the most important to me about children? Okay, these are my deal breakers for clients. I will not work with someone who is not willing to commit to these two things. The first one is what everyone knows. You are not allowed to talk negatively about their other parent. Mm -hmm. It is considered child abuse if you speak about their parent in front of them in a negative way. You're just like your dad in like a not way. Or I can't believe he did that. That's so selfish of him in front of your kid. That is their parent. And that is so harmful to them. And in addition to that, if you hear someone talking about their parent in earshot, that's like a family or friend, you shut that down. Because that kid doesn't, want this they didn't choose this and they don't want you to say something one i told this story to someone else recently my kid my youngest kid called me crying hysterically on facetime one day and he said he was with his extended family and one of his aunts was looking through pictures and saw a picture of me with the family and said oh i need to delete this one and my son heard her 
And how do you think an eight-year-old boy feels? Like, I don't want you to delete my mom. And he was hysterical. And like, we have to protect our kids. So that's number one, kind of no brainer. Yeah. Number two is the hardest one for people. It's like asking them to give up carbs. I tell my clients, and this is pre-COVID, we're going to go back there one day. You must sit near each other at all events. Mm. If you're at a concert or a soccer game or a football game or a play or graduation, you are in the same vicinity. You don't have to sit on his lap, mm-hmm. but sit in, you can be one row ahead of them or, or side. Because why should your children have to look in two different directions to find their parents? That is, that's great advice. It gives me chills when I talk about it because if, and that's like also like a temperature check. I tell them that right away. And if they're like, no way, I'm like, I don't think this is going to work. Because if you're so selfish that you won't even sit in it, they're not going to hurt you. You're in the middle of a a public event. Right, right. That is great advice. And you're so right. Why Why make our children search out two different locations? You know, they're over here, they're over there, you know, this one's over here. I I just, I absolutely love that. And they only have two seconds to look up when they've hit a good ball. They only need to look, did you guys see that? Not, did you see that over there? No, where's my mom? Is she over there? Because they can't even be next to each other. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, I know you do this. I've done uh, a lot of anonymous questionnaires of kids and and adult kids and they're like one of their number one things is my parents couldn't be in the same room and that is we talked about this earlier the only reason why parents cannot show up is because they're selfish selfish right that's it just call it what it is right it's uncomfortable to hear isn't it yeah it is it totally is but you know this is this is the reality of it and it and you know that if someone is not showing up for the child, that's the only thing that it could be. Yeah. So because you have to be willing to make yourself uncomfortable. Yes, because it's not about you. This is about sucking it up and smiling. You already made the decision to not stay together. You don't have to ever sleep with them again. You're not gonna do any of that stuff again, but you can sit in a gymnasium for 45 minutes together. So you're, and you know what is even crazier down the road is you guys can go for ice cream together. Like your kids, there's very little things our kids need when our parents are divorced mm-hmm. that they're asking for. They want the birthdays to be together. They want to be at Halloween. They don't have to go separate. Like show up. Yes. Show, for show up and grow up. Right. Yeah. I love that. I mean, you're speaking my language. You know, you and I. That's why we like each other because I don't have time for your crap. You know, like I be nice. That's like what we learned in kindergarten. Like you don't have to tell them how you feel. Yeah. Smile. I I so appreciate you saying that to our viewers because this is one of the things that affects kids so greatly. And, um, you know, speaking on being selfish, you don't, we talked about it earlier about how kids are keen and they're already inept and in tune to what's happening anyway, right? Like they've already gone through this process with us because they are going through the process. Yes. They didn't want to. They didn't ask for it. They don't want it. So it puts them kind of in a really precarious situation. So, um, yeah, we really, really have to be keen and aware on that. So moving from that and transitioning, just tell us how we can move forward and create, you know, some of the uh, excitement and 
betterness things uh, for us as we move on post-divorce and create that post -divorce. Awesome. I will. And then I have to jump on another call at four because life is insane. So here we go. Okay. Um, if you've already gone through the process of divorce and you're like here and you're like, now what? Write that letter. Get free. Find out what's in your closet in your hallway that's blocking you. Find someone you can trust. Call one of us. I'll help you. You'll help them. We want to get free, right? It's about getting free and letting go of what's no longer serving us. Like all that tidying up stuff, like get rid of it. If it's not bringing you joy, get rid of it. Except for your kids, you got to keep them. And find something that is exciting and challenging to you. So you have something to work towards, goals. Like COVID is a great opportunity right now to do a lot of cool things. Mm -hmm. And make, create a life you're excited about. Absolutely, right? It's all about finding the new and creating the new version of you and you want yes. that person to be and honor it yes people absolutely. are dying on ventilators people are losing everything life is short we are not promised anything but this moment do you want to spend your moments being unhappy and angry or do you want to live absolutely absolutely carly thank you so much i love you and sharing with us Tell the viewers really quickly before you go where they can find you. Okay. My um, Facebook page is In Your Corner Relationship. My email is In Your Corner Coach at Gmail. And I have a podcast called In Your Corner Divorce Podcast. I am so grateful for your time and your community. Please reach out to me. I would love to connect with anyone. And me and you are going to do this again and again because we have a lot to talk about. I love you, sister. I love you. For any listeners who would like to go deeper into my story, check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, available in paperback, audio, or digital on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and IndieBound. Remember, we get to write this next chapter for our kids, for ourselves, and for the world around us. Have a great day.